Now, as we leave 2023 behind us and head into the new year, for politicians, it will be a year of reckoning, a year of change. 2024 will see a referendum take place in March, proposing family and care amendments to the Constitution. In June, the local and European elections will be held, and towards the end of the year, there's the possibility of a general election looming. If it's not held by the end of the year, it must take place before March of 2025. So to look at what's ahead and where the parties stand going into a frenetic political year, we're joined in studio now by the editor of the Business Post, Daniel McConnell, and by political commentator and columnist, Gerard uh, uh, Howland. Welcome to you both and thank you both for uh, coming in to talk to us uh, this New Year's Eve. Um, Daniel, I'll start with you just looking at the... Um, the parties going into uh, 2024, your paper does regular tracking polls. Um, the party with the most support uh, over the past year has been Sinn Féin in around the 29-30% mark. Mm. Um, how, how solid is that level of support for Sinn Féin? It's interesting because I was just looking back on the trend. So Sinn Féin's support since the last general election, which they got they got 24% at the last election, but their, their support peaked at 35-36% in April 2022. Um, it's now down at about 29%. They were, they, it fell at the start of or at the back end of 2022 into 23 it's been down around that kind of 29-30% but what is noticeable is that since that peak there has been a drift away of uh, a lot of younger voters, you know, the people who naturally we we've all assumed consistently that they would more be more likely to vote for Sinn Fein on the issue because of housing, etc., like that, they have drifted away and have sort of dissipated towards the independent ranks and also dissipated towards you know, some of the other left wing parties. But I think what it does show is that the closer we get to an election, that solid support that we've all assumed is there for Sinn Fein might not necessarily be there. So it might end up being a much closer contest than we would have considered. The difficulty for Fine Gael and, and Fianna Fáil is that they've generally plateaued. Fine Gael have plateaued in our poll certainly in around 20%. Fianna Fáil have remained pretty stagnant or becalmed as that Eamon O'Keeve I think uh, phrase he, he used once. They have been solid in around the 16 to 18% and they're, they're not really budging beyond that. And you look at all the other parties, the Greens, Labour, Sock Dems, they're well below. They're all into kind of low to mid single digits and that 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 kind of vista really hasn't changed in the last year or so. So it is, Sinn Féin are definitely in a commanding lead as of now still but the support you know, that that was certainly there a year and a bit ago is coming under a bit of pressure. Gerard, we've seen the issue of, of immigration become um, an important one in, in recent weeks and months. And, and Mary Lou Macdonald, the Sinn Féin leader, raised it in recent interviews uh, <coughs> over the Christmas, suggesting uh, in one interview that it was a mistake to give Ukrainians special status. Does, does, does the fact that... that um, this is being raised by and um, mentioned by the Sinn Féin leader. Does it, does it indicate perhaps that immigration is, is an issue that Sinn Féin might see as a threat to its vote as we approach the local European elections and the general election? Well, Sinn Féin has done very well on a paradigm of issues of which housing and cost of living were absolutely core and centre. And that paradigm has shifted to include immigra immigration and law and order. And that's less favourable as a mix to Sinn Féin. And I think Sinn Féin has struggled in a hurry over the last month or two to try and reposition itself tonally, if not necessarily hugely in substance. And I'm not sure it's done a very good job for itself. Personal view is that the... Um, 
calling for the resignation of the Commissioner was a mistake. Um, calling for the resignation of the Minister for Justice simply didn't work out because the debate in the Dáil did not go, go well for them. Uh, Mary Lou has given interviews over Christmas talking about immigration, as you've just said, Justin, and also uh, this idea that somehow at some time there would be again a Dublin where you could buy a house for €300,000. So I, I think there's been uh, there's a lot of sort of internal movement within chain. Sinn Féin and its positioning. I think for something that is so disciplined, so certain, so savvy, uh, I'm not sure any of those applications apply as readily in the last few weeks. And I think the key issue is, and it'll be important for the government in making the fundamental judgment of when to call an election, is when we have polls through January and February, when these things are being considered for the first time in, in hindsight, uh, where is Sinn Féin then? And I think on that, a lot will pivot. Daniel, as we approach the, the European and, and local elections, I mean, what do you see as being the key weak spots for the government parties there? Are we looking at the, the traditional issues of, of health and, and housing being, you know, the, the, the weak points for them as we as we go into those elections? Yeah, and to pick up what Jared has said there, I think, you know, if you were asking this question six months ago, I think, you know, cost of living and housing were the two issues that were where Sinn Féin made an awful lot of ground, I think, for, and the government were, were certainly weakest on. Um, I think now, I think law and order is very much in the mix. And I think what you saw in the wake of that uh, attack on that Galway Hotel where that fire was in, in Galway, you know, you saw a number of local councillors come out and articulate concerns around immigration migration policy. I think that was a harbinger, I think, of where the debate's likely to go over the next five or six months heading into the local and European elections. Um, and I think that that is unnerving for the sitting government parties who did re- relatively well in 2019. And we have to remember as well, Sinn Féin did really badly in 2019. So the expectation is that they, they will grow their, their, their seats. But there is obviously, I think, Mary Lou Macdonald's comments over the, over the Christmas period is reflecting that sort of fluidity in, in, in where we find ourselves. I think I think the the landing space for these arguments will only kind of will only come into a kind of uh, clear view in March or April of next year. But I definitely think my, you know add you've got health, housing, law and order. I think migration are the four key issues that the, I think those local and European elections will will be decided in, upon. In, in mythology, New Year is a very funny time in terms of old old <coughs> and new and all sorts of spirits working. But I think in practical politics, this is a swirling change time these few weeks. And I think into the new year, things will be clearer. Uh, and I don't think the, the settled assumptions of 2023 will last. In, in what way? What, what in, do you in, think? In the sense of the solid polling numbers that uh, Daniel's referred to across all three parties. Um, I, I think Sinn Féin is heading into difficulty, but I'm not at all so sure that either Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil are necessarily best placed to gain first as a consequence. And in March then, Jared, we, we will have uh, referendums being held to remove um, the reference in the constitution to the role of women in the home, a proposal for that at least, and also proposing an expansion of the concept of the family. How would you expect the government will approach uh, th- these, re- these referendums? I mean, how much energy will go into campaigning for constitutional change given that there's so much uh, political energy required for other things in the coming year? Well, the, the only flip side to that, Justin, is that if you're a local election candidate and you want to get yourself out and about, it's actually a good opportunity to go on the doors because there is a vote. You can present yourself. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of people looking to get themselves on doorsteps. So actually, in, in a way, that, that, that might work uh, to enthuse a bit, a bit of energy around this, which hitherto is lacking. There's some significant civil 
society organisations who have not made their position clear. And my concern is that referendum on its own, no other election, you have a low turnout in the best case scenario. There's, uh, you know, there's a certain group of people who are against everything on every day because they're just out of sorts with themselves or the government or, or whatever. Uh, so to get this over the line requires a push of energy that has yet to be delivered on. And I think it will be a matrix of government, local uh, election candidates wanting to get out and about, those civil society organisations and with what degree of enthusiasm will they engage? Da- Daniel, where would you see the, the fault lines being in the in this referendum um, that's that's coming up in March? Yeah, and I, I think we've already got a taste of it. I, I mean, um, I mean, obviously we've seen in the doll the initial reaction to the government calling of the referendums, which are going to happen on, on March eighth, which is International Women's Day. But you've already seen, you know, the likes of Ivana Batchik of the Labour Party coming out saying she would, you know, the the restrictive, or you know, what she sees as a more restrictive definition of care. You know, you know there's, there's arguing around the, sort of the definition and, and the parameters of the, the new phraseology that's going to be included or uh, inserted into the constitution. Um, I think, by and large, there's no real disagreement around the removal of the, the reference of women's place in the home and stuff like that. But I suppose, I think where the fault lines are likely to be is, what is the definition of the modern family? And how do you how do you limit that or how do you make it as inclusive as possible? So I think there's likely to be some debate around that. I think the risk for the government is is that if they try to please everybody, they'll end up pleasing nobody and they could end up themselves on the wrong side of the argument. And and I think as 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 Jared said there, you know, you know, trying to get a referendum over where, where there is no it's not like abortion or it's not like marriage equality where there's an immediate sort of change. Like these are more conceptual changes mm. as opposed to kind of direct changes. And I think the government could find itself expending quite a lot of energy and still losing a referendum, which would not be good for them. The abortion referendum in two thousand and one, or was it two thousand and two, lost by a hair's breadth because two different groups who were diametrically opposed to each other were equally opposed to the proposed amendment which fell by a whisker. Um, one eye on the on the general election um, uh, how important will the local and European elections in June this year be for, for the political parties in terms of I suppose um, well for the government in terms of deciding the timing of the general election? Um, very important provided the general election isn't first. So until the spring is over, we don't know that the government uh, may, or particularly of Aradkar, might decide on the basis of polls in the spring that positively, but far from certainly, so Sinn Féin, show Sinn Féin down might take a cut and run approach. I think that's a long shot. Yes, I'm I'll... not particularly expecting it, but your question was premised on the assumption it wouldn't happen. I don't assume it won't mm. happen. And, but do you think that he would do that even though both Eamon Ryan and Michal Martin have both said they would like the government to run the full term? He has form in doing things Eamon Ryan and Michal Martin don't like or want. Yeah, Danny, would you go along with that? I, I think the one advantage Leo Varadkar has as the incumbent Taoiseach is the element of surprise. I've yet to see in my time in politics a budget bounce or a budget splurge translate into increased voting uh, support for, for government parties. And I, I think it's quite clear, Michael McGrath has made it quite clear internally and I think elsewhere that he would like to do another budget. He's only just done one as finance minister. He'd like to at least do one more. The reality is that if you're going to legislate and actually get all the, you know, kind of let that flush through the system, you can't go, you can't cut and run in October or November. So you're pushing out until February of March of next year. And that's the full term anyway. Mm. So I think it really comes down to, does Leo Varadkar cut and run before the local and Europeans this spring? 
or do they wait until uh, spring of next year? And I think if a couple of favourable polls showing Sinn Féin under pressure, under further pressure, I think it's very much an open question. A quick word on, on the European elections. There are a few uh, sitting MEPs who are not going to um, to contest the election in, in June. Francis Fitzgerald and Deirdre Clune uh, among them. Both Fine Gael. Uh, both, both Fine Gael. Um, and then there, there's the possibility of um, a number of sitting TDs running for the European election uh, government TDs with names like Josepha Madigan, Barry uh, Cowan, and then Senators Lisa Chambers, Jerry Bottomer, Tim Lombard, all, all being mentioned, Regina Doherty as well. Mm. I mean, how much of a political headache would it be for, for the government if they were to lose too many TDs to, to um, Strasbourg? It is a headache, and I thought it was noticeable in the list that you've read out there, the vast majority of those were Fine Gael, uh, you know, because, and I think what you're seeing is there's already this narrative around Fine Gael of, you know, senior people leaving and, or retiring because they're in office since 2011 and basically their best days are behind them. So the idea of going into opposition or going for another round is is just a bridge too far for many of them. So Leo Varadkar is already on the back foot about you know people departing the ship. Now, there is obviously a renewal in politics that happens. Um, but look, there's also what happened to Billy Keller in 2020 or 2019. He went to Europe essentially against the, the express wishes of his party leader. Michal Martin wanted him to stay. Mm. He said, no, my future's in Europe. Uh, so it, it has the potential to be destabilising to a certain degree. I think that the challenge is definitely more on Leo Varadkar's side than it is on Michal Martin or Eamon Ryan's side from this oh, perspective. There's only two sitting TDs in the mix, Barry Cowan, Josepha Madigan. If one of them were to be elected, it's a reasonable call to the European Parliament. There doesn't have to be a by-election for six months. The government has the numbers. It's a party problem in the next general election. Mm. It's not a government problem in this doll. All right, before we go, and, and briefly, if you would, cast your, your minds forward to this time next year and give us your prediction who will be in government in Dublin, in London, and who will be the incumbent in the White House? So in London, I'm, I'm, it's Labour, and, and, and uh, I think for sure, I think here, um, unless Sinn Féin can pick back up momentum, I think a combination of all others, however big and messy that might be, is, is probably a slightly better possibility. For, for now, in terms of Northern Ireland, we'll know in a few weeks if Geoffrey Donaldson is ever going to get this assembly up and running. I'm not an optimist, unfortunately. And in the United States, I have a dread fear of Donald Trump. And Daniel? I, I very find it very hard to demure from that. I, I, I would think here, Sinn Féin, without question, will be the largest party. I just don't know whether or not they'll have enough support from other parties to form a government. So therefore, it will by default fall back on the current administration, plus a couple of others, be the independents or be them a smaller party like the Social Democrats. There's no doubt Keir Starmer will be the next Prime Minister in the United Kingdom. Um, and I also fear that Donald Trump will, will make it to Whitehouse again. All right. Well, we'll be we'll have you back next year. This time next year, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll mark your homework at that point. Daniel McConnell, editor of the Business Post and public affairs consultant and political commentator, Jared Howland. Thank you both uh, for joining us today. After the break, we'll hear from a former UK Consul General to Jerusalem about what it might take to end the war in Gaza.